Welcome back to another episode of the Talking Ship Podcast with your host, Rich Christakis, brought to you by ShipMyPlants.com. Today, I have a conversation with a very old friend, uh, over two decades of knowing each other and connected through consumer horticulture. Preston Dyer is a visionary at heart and has a deep-rooted passion for people and plants. As a humanitarian, he fell in love with International Compassion Projects in early 2005 after experiencing his first trek to the third world. He has 20-plus experience working in the horticulture and agriculture industry with a focus on business development. He is the founder and CEO of Adoria Organics and the founder of a nonprofit called Trek for Change. He strongly believes in the art of giving back and being a catalyst toward mobilizing humanity towards achieving their dreams and aspirations. In this podcast, we discuss many topics, from how Preston started in horticulture to his time working for Monrovia, which is one of the world's largest consumer horticulture companies, to how he balances being an entrepreneur with having a family and being a father. We also discuss how he started an organic soil company and how it relates to his philanthropic passions, including trekforchange.org, which aims to bring clean water to villages in Africa who don't have access to it. And apparently, I commit to a trip to Africa myself. And now, here's Preston Dyer. And hello, Preston, and thank you for joining hey. the show. Thanks for having me on here. I thought we were just going to have like a simple phone call today, but we're on your podcast. This is awesome. It's hey. dude. It's hard to believe it's been tw it's been 20, 20 plus years since we've known each other. Few, just a couple decades. Only a couple. I think <laughs> about about half our lives we've known right. each other. And. You know, you know, maybe tell the listeners, you know, how, how did we originally meet? Yeah. So in um, I think it was like 2005, uh, we were both like, what was the math? 22, 23 when we connected. Yeah, I, I was like an, I was an outside sales rep with Monrovia Nursery and was assigned to Chicagoland Territory where ALSIP is a part of that ALSIP Nursery. And um, yeah, I walked in. We were just a couple kids, man. You were working with your dad and doing the buying, and I was selling plants for Monrovia, and you know the rest became history. I don't think either one of us realized at that period of time that it was going to turn into the friendship that we have today and 20 years of growth and evolution and doing crazy things and ups and downs, but it's been a lot of fun. It has. It has. And I mean, you're, you're an inspiration to me. I really uh, love your story and where, you know, where you're at now, but before we get into all that, how did you get into horticulture? Uh, I think it was uh, like destiny, you know what I mean? Not to sound too cheesy, but, you know, I think when we grow up, what we experience, the environment and the culture that we're in, it, it does become part of who we are, nature versus nurture. And so my father was a farmer. I grew up agriculture, really involved with FFA and BOAG and um, being in the fields and working with beef cattle. And um, when I was 16, I was like, hey, dad, I, I need to get a car. And he was like, well, son, you probably need to get a job then if you want a car. <laughs> I'm sure you, you can appreciate this, that statement. Mm -hmm. But um, he had worked with this local nursery in uh, small town America, Ohio. And he got me a job with the nursery, working on the loading docks and part of the assembly crews. And I started doing summers with a, a company called Berry Hill Nursery that was owned by Whites. And... Um, that career path uh, evolved and, and I had no idea what was happening at that time, you know, being 16. But little did I know that in 2001, Monro Monrovia Nursery would purchase that small mom and pop operation 
and I'd be offered an opportunity to move to Oregon to go into their inside sales training program, their internship program. So for me, it was like, this is a no brainer. Like I get a chance to move to Oregon, uh, see a different part of the country. I, I had barely left the state of Ohio as a kid. So like at 19, I moved to Oregon and uh, went into the the training program and, and the rest became history. You know, there's people that weave in and out of our lives, uh, mentors, um, friends, family members, and, you know, all those people I was fortunate enough to, to have been touched, you know, and guided along and challenged and pushed. Um, and that has really become my education. You know, I, I didn't set foot in a college classroom. Uh, I wish I did in some capacity, but the greatest education I've learned was, was through my career path with Monrovia and working with people like yourself for 22 plus years. Well, you know, like like myself, you're you're a father, and you've you've got a, a boatload of kids, and uh, so I think you've been one of the people that has been able to balance family and work life. And I know in our industry, it, that's not always the easiest thing. But you're an entrepreneur as well. When I first heard about Adoria Organics, I was intrigued, but also excited and happy for you. But why don't you tell us about you know? how and why you started Adoria and what Adoria is all about. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, Adoria, just like my story and my career path, it was it was a series of events that were happening behind the scenes or right beneath my feet that I wasn't even fully aware of. You know, and truthfully, it goes all the way back to my, my heritage, my childhood. So my dad was an agronomist. He was a, a soil nerd. And I made it a point to make sure to point out he was a soil nerd. And I didn't get it. And Quite frankly, at the time, I didn't really respect it. But when I was um, when I was five, I remember him saying, "Hey, we're going to go draw some soil samples and hop on the four wheeler. And here's these baggies, and here's this device. And all you need to do is stick it in the ground and then plug the soil into the bag. And um, and I need like twenty of these. Can you do it?" So that was kind of fun. I mean, driving through the fields and pulling soil samples, uh, not knowing that it was going to circle back to soil science at, at this point in my my career path, but. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they say that desperate times call for desperate, desperate measures, which that side hustle is really where that developed. You know, a lot of us got crushed during the recession in 08, no, not 09 and 10. And, you know, I think when you go through hardship like that, it, it provokes a level of creativity inside of each of us if we allow it to, to really take hold. So at that point in time, it was like I needed ways to feed my family. And, you know, it didn't it didn't matter if it was, you know, plowing snow or selling rock salt or so, you know, in, in 2018, I had a, a close friend who pitched an idea to me about uh, compost and I laughed at it at first. And he really encouraged me to, to look further into that and to explore it. And, and I honestly pushed it away until it showed up back in my lap. And uh, the more I dug into composting, it went, I realized that it went back to my, my heritage of my childhood and what that looked like, simple soil science. We started out with just like bulk composting and looking at just the heart of like, what does it mean to repurpose green waste, right? Uh, how do we keep the landfills down and, and what does that look like? So we were selling bulk compost and then I was challenged by a customer and he was like, hey, can you, can you bag this stuff? I was like, well, I haven't thought about it, but possibly I'll look into it. And he was like, you know, Preston, he was like, he was like, you know, please don't be offended, but anything of great value deserves a name just like ours. You know, your name's Preston. It gives you your identity. He was like, if you choose to bag this, you're going to need to give it a name. It deserves a name. 
And so I was just like, holy cow, this is taking the simplicity of the bulk sale to the next level. And I didn't realize inside of myself that that decade prior of going through all those trials and tribulations would lead to the business development side of things. Um, you know, you, Rich, really have inspired me in, in the sense of like thinking outside of the box on the bigger scale and identifying people with their certain skill sets and their talents and plug and playing those people um, where they best serve organizations, where they, they're best able to serve their communities. Um, and, you know, realizing like in the marketing and the business development side of things that I would have to surround myself with a group of people that were their skill set and their craftsmanship was outside of me and I had to lean on them. And so it was really cool to see that team dynamic come together to, uh, to where it is today with the Doria. Some of the things that you do that you don't have to do, but mm -hmm. you do it because you want to do it. And because I, I believe you just have a love for, for human beings and, and just for helping people. But as long as I've known you or for most of the time I've known you, you've, you've been doing philanthropy and this goes back many years. I remember the first time you told me that you went to Africa on a missions trip. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, let's hear, let me hear, you know, the start, the, the middle and the, where you're at now with, with that. Dude, that's such a loaded question. Um, but it's a good one, man, because it's, it's literally half of my heart. My family is the other half. Um, you know, again, like looking back, you can't connect the dots looking backwards. You can only connect them looking forward. And, um, you know, for myself, I was invited on a missions trip at the age of 21 down the Dominican Republic. And, you know, just like anything, it was intimidating the thought of it, like, what was this going to look like? And I had never set foot off of American soil. And, but I was challenged by my friend that had invited me. He's like, listen, man, like, this isn't really about you. I want you to step beyond yourself and just try this. That trip impacted my life dramatically. I came back. I had never seen poverty like I had witnessed that on that trip. I had never really seen the heart of humanity and what it really meant to serve your fellow brother and to meet people where they're at and to step into their homes and learn something about them. And in return, you learn something about yourself. And, and I became addicted to it. Like it, it, I say it ruined me in the best possible way. And then um, like it was probably three years later, I became kind of this like radical missionary, if you will, um, young and full of a bunch of ambition and not really knowing what to do with all the energy. And a friend of mine, his, uh, his mother-in-law had started an organization in Central Africa and Uganda, Africa. And it was a small orphanage with 40 children living in 1200 square feet without any running water or any electricity. And my friend at the time was a plumber by trade. And he reached out to me and he was like, Hey, radical, crazy missionary. Uh, do you want to go to Africa with me? And I was like, Africa, I, I don't, I don't think so, man. Like I feel more ca called, like I'll use the word called to like Latin America, Spanish speaking cultures. Cause that was part of my passion. And he was like, look, dude, we just need to go put in some plumbing and it's going to be a 20 day lifetime, you know, an opportunity of a lifetime experience. And like, can you please just come with me and do this? And I was like, man, I'll think about it. Well, I ended up caving in and, uh, ironically enough, like two weeks before the trip, he ended up coming down with uh, like pneumonia and he was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it on this trip. And I'm like, what do you mean, dude? I don't even know where I'm going. And he was like, you're going to have to go. And I was like, I'm not a plumber. And he was like, you're going to have to go and figure it out. And ironically enough, the, the same guy 
that had challenged me to go to the Dominican. I hadn't seen for weeks because he was this radical missionary traveling all over the world. Uh, he showed up at church like the day after Sam had canceled and hadn't seen him. He was like, Hey, what are you up to? What's going on? I was like, dude, I'm going to Africa in two weeks alone. He was like, no, you're not, you're not going. So like that evening we, uh, we had dinner, we grabbed a beer and we bought his plane ticket and, and off we went. And that experience was far different than my first experience to the Dominican and my second experience to Haiti. Um, it was, man, it was raw. It was raw. I had never witnessed famine before. Um, I didn't understand what daily bread was when people would talk about that. And, and daily bread is you get up in the morning, you hustle, you grind, you earn that day's wage, and then you feed your family. And you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And, and that in a lot of parts of the world is, is the reality uh, in the day-to-day -day lives of, of families and young people. And um, as a Western culture, you know, we're so privileged and, and I hate to throw that word around, but it's the truth that we have unlimited resources around us and amazing structure that allows us to really live a life with opportunity. And these other parts of the world, um, they have to really dig in deep, man, and dig into their faith and their spirituality and, and lean on their family and lean on their communities and truly take care of one another. And, you know, I think that, again, that was something that I, I really fell in love with that dynamic of the culture of like, wow, like they really get it. Like joy took on a whole new meaning. You know, like living with the bare minimum and still finding joy in your day uh, to grow and to grind and to hustle and to take care of each other was it was remarkable, man. And it was very it was very intoxicating, you know. So when I came back from that trip of being with these 40 little babies and singing and dancing with them and uh, teaching them how to play American baseball, which doesn't exist in that country. Uh, I came back with a mission, man. I was like, hey, we're not only going to get them plumbing, we're going to get them electricity and by the way, these other this community doesn't have access to clean, safe drinking water. And that's really the first step beyond anything is getting them clean water. And and our mission started, man. And and the rest was kind of history. And I've been doing it for 20 years and and I and I love every second of it. So how does Adoria factor into to all of this? Right. That's dude, thank you so much. So when I was always had this dream of doing a startup, right? Just like you. And I knew that if I were ever going to invest both of my feet into something, it had to be something that really captured like the heartstrings uh, within me. And I thought, well, if I could take something I'm passionate about that is generating revenue and tether that into something that is the ultimate give back, that would be like the perfect business model for me and my family. So when Adoria developed, uh, it really it kept going back to like the heart of the mission work or the humanitarian work that I was doing and those efforts. And I thought I need to build this brand around that. So, you know, quite frankly, Adoria at one point in time was it started out as Gloria. Like the idea of the name was going to be Gloria Organics. And, and Gloria was a little girl that I had sponsored from the age of like five up until 18. But when we submitted the, the copyright trademark to uh, the patent office, they simply said that had already been taken by a company down in Brazil. And we had to go back to the drawing board. And uh, I looked at 10 different names and Adoria was in the 10. And I, I pitched it out to my friends and family and the vote fell on Adoria. And, you know, I'm so happy it did because, you know, Adoria means to, to adore. Um, it means adoration. In the Hebrew language, it means glory, which tethers back to Gloria. Um, and it's really neat how this whole thing has come together. So what we wanted to do was 
we would take 10% of the earnings from Adoria Organics and we would invest them back into sustainable agriculture in the third world. And we would invest that back into education and building schools. And we would invest that back into building waterways and water resources. Um, it made the whole idea of that we weren't just selling soil, but we were really becoming ambassadors for, for mankind. It was, it was bigger than us. And when I would share with people like yourself, uh, I remember talking with you and David and, and Alsip was like one of our biggest advocates that put us on the board and, and we're forever going to be thankful for that, man. Like our friendship and, and the business partnership that we have is it's rich, man. And no pun intended, rich. It's, it has depth to it, you know, and, and we're very thankful for that. But we realized that when we were talking about Adoria, whether the customer purchased the product or not, we were raising global awareness about the global water crisis. We were able to plant seeds and to open the eyes of, of people and, and to offer a perspective that may, they may or may not have ever thought about. So it's always a win. The presentation is always a win, uh, whether the customer buys the product or not. And, and it seems like those that have gotten on board, uh, those true partners of excellence and, and brand ambassadors, like they've really embodied the culture of Adoria, and they've been able to pass that on to their sales staff and their teams and their organizations to to build. What does it look like to to love your neighbor as you love yourself? Uh, Alsip is a prime example of that. So, so, oh, and we're happy to like. I mean, we're selling it because I think it's a good product, and and we like you. And, and a lot of times, that's what you do business <laughs> with people that you like. But sure, it, it is very nice that I mean, you know, you deserve all the credit in the world for doing something like this. And I know I'm running short on time, but, um, you know, the other thing that you've done is that Trek water, um, yeah. you know, the, the water filtration stuff. And, and I, I understand I, I haven't been there, so I can't even begin to. Yeah. You haven't been there yet, Rich. <laughs> I, you know what? We're going, I, I and, and I, <laughs> I, I, I definitely will, will do that. And, um, but you know, I want to leave with with the one question and just how can we is there a link is there somewhere we people can go to to support this mission is there is there anything that uh that everybody needs to to know where to where to help out yeah absolutely so we are um so i have the for-profit adoria organics which is married to the nonprofit 501c3 which is trek for change trekforchange.org um, at this point in time, there's only a handful of monthly givers that are giving consistently. And those handful of givers are supporting a school, which we built in 2000, uh, in May of 21, which now provides an equal education opportunity to four, over 400 children, two square meals a day. We've brought two waterways into this community that did not have access to clean, safe drinking water. Um, but yeah, five or six people are, are supporting this on a monthly basis. And sometimes I just, I do the math and the math just doesn't compute. So if anyone would be interested in coming forward, this is the season of Thanksgiving. We would love to see, you know, people sign up just for a dollar a day. Like if you just gave a dollar a day and we had 20 or 30 different sponsors, like that would really put a, an, a dent in the projects we're doing and, and to help provide us with the resources and the tools to, uh, to pay those things forward to the staff members and the students and would help out Trek tremendously. Well, I tell you yeah, what, so trekforchange.org. Trekforchange.org, and we're, we're going to put the link up on the screen. 
but I'll pledge to do register roundups at, at both of the ALSIP locations. We'll do a month of roundups uh, for, for that organization. And we'll also put the video up on our digital signage throughout our stores that uh, um, to get people aware of what, what they're actually donating to. So uh, Preston, I mean, there's very few people thank you, like thank you. you. Uh, there needs to be more and, and thank you for being on the talking ship podcast. Uh, we yeah. are very grateful for you and, and keep up the great work and congratulations to all the positive, beautiful things that are happening in your life, man. Thanks Rich. I appreciate it. And, you know, very appreciative of this opportunity to share. And um, it's really cool to watch how you're accelerating in your dreams and your passions and able to mobilize the people in your community around you. It's, it's inspiring. So keep up the great work and uh, ship my plants. If you haven't signed up yet, you better because it's the future here. Thanks, Preston. All right. Take care. Enjoy, enjoy Texas. Appreciate Peace. it, man. See ya. Bye. Bye.